Putin's offensive may be going all out, but it's also going in reverse. Also, we are going to be taking a look at Putin's anti-disinformation efforts uh, and his own efforts to kind of control the own his own information space. It gets weird. I'm Paul, U.S. Army combat veteran. It's February 14th, 2023. This is your daily Ukraine update. Let's get into it. Okay, first, when we look at the control map, what is noteworthy is that there are there is exactly one change in actual territory, and it's right here outside of Chasafiar. And let's take a look. There we go. You guys can see that uh, Ukraine has pushed Russian forces back uh, away from this key route into Bakhmut. We've talked about this for a while. This is one of two routes that allow uh, Ukrainian defenders in Bakhmut to receive supply, move munitions uh, in, and wounded soldiers damage munitions or damage equipment out. And Keeping this road clear is not essential, right? There's two of them, so it's not absolutely essential, but it's pretty important. But what's really important, I think, is that Ukraine has chosen, after weeks and weeks of conducting a defense in depth or trading space for time, they feel they can now allocate combat power to counteroffensive operations. Now, obviously, this is not a huge counteroffensive, but you guys can see here, it's a, a few kilometers of territory that they've pushed back. And it, it, more importantly, in, in the entire eastern battlefield, I would say that if you're only going to flip a couple kilometers, this is what you would want to flip. Buy this second road breathing room so it can continue to supply the, the soldiers defending Bakhmut. And as we've talked about in previous videos, it's a sign that Ukraine feels that it doesn't have to play uh, play defensive poker, so to speak, right? It doesn't have to play, uh, be as ultra conservative with its willingness to uh, deploy troops against Russian forces. You know, when trading space for time is a very, very, very efficient way to engage, to fight a war um, in terms of manpower and material, simply because your enemy gets stretched further out, right, gets drawn to you, and your forces in turn get to draw closer to uh, main areas uh, and also conduct withdrawals in a way that's much more controlled, whereas the enemy may not have, you can almost make their offensive if done properly, feel like a chaotic stumble forward where your withdrawal can actually feel like a controlled, disciplined military operation. But it's efficient. It incurs very few casualties, but it involves loss of territory. So the fact that Ukraine feels that it can now flip the switch and deliver limited counterattacks to Russian forces says that they have at least a decent level of confidence that they have blunted Putin's offensive. Now, when we look over at the combat map, you can see just how active Putin has become in its offensive efforts, right? You can see, especially along Crimea Lyman, which as we talked about, I know I assessed as being the most likely avenue of advance for both political and uh, uh, tactical reasons that this is where uh, Russian forces appear to be the most active. Um, but 
we don't see the change in territory that should accompany this level of activity. Um, you can see as well, there's some limited uh, offensive efforts here at Dovorichna, again, where Russia probably trying to get on the western bank of the Oskil to prevent that from being used as a defensive line should their, should, should their offensive find success somehow. Uh, and you can see them also sort of pushing to the south here, Nobilohodivka, um, you have this weird problem though, that, uh, again, we've talked about Russian planners just seem to be a little confused about, and that is that swamp in, uh, in between, let's find it here. Okay. So just sort of pull this up real quick. Okay. Take a look. So you can see here, the attacks are sort of spread on either side of this swampy forested area you can see here a lot of these small rivers low-lying marshes uh it, this is just tough territory to operate in and putin's forces can't really in engage in mutual support you know and you can see because of the severski donetsk here uh i think it's the severski donetsk sorry if i got it wrong again i i've confused these two rivers this entire war um but because of the severski donetsk here Right, Ukrainian forces defending outside of Sevierk near Bilohodivka, they are operating independent from the forces defending the Yampil Kermina line. There's no mutual. There's limited mutual support taking place here. Uh, logistically, they may be drawing from like similar forward supply areas um, that can like cross some of these bridges, uh, but overall, attacking here won't change or affect conditions in the north. And in order for these to become mutually supporting efforts, if that's what the Russians wanted, you would need better weather conditions. You can see this is the worst possible weather condition for this type of offensive. 32 degrees means that you have all the downsides of operating in cold, uh, icy weather, right? You have... Um, uh, soldiers who simply burn more calories and operate more poorly in the face of of uh, frigid temperatures. You also have the liability that it rains liquid rain often, but then uh, it can freeze, creating a sheet of ice on your equipment and your soldiers. Uh, but you also have all the downsides of operating in temperate environments, where, as you can see, all this is liquid water in all likelihood. These marshlands are really marshlands. You can't just march over them. They're not frozen snowfields. So, this is probably just an awful conditions to try to make an advance in. Um, and for Ukrainians, right, they don't need to make an advance. They simply need to blunt this offensive and punish Russian forces. So it's just uh, seems like a total disaster. And the Russians seem to have correctly identified that they can't they can't really uh, push hard into this region here. It's it's just too inaccessible for them. But they also can't attack over open ground because, well, that's also pretty punishing. So. This this is is just really not looking very effective. Now, as always, things can change because, as you know, NATO doctrine, our offensives are combat power forward, right? You bring your max combat power on day one to achieve the, the decisive effect, right? You break the enemy's lines and then you create this, this chaotic environment for the enemy that their command and control can't seem to manage the fight, that their command and control can't track their units and the, 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 they can't track your own units. 
you build, you you shatter them, and then you exploit this chaos. It's called the initiative, and the idea is that you get, it's like you get to make the first move in chess, and your opponent always has to try to make moves to react to you, and they never are quite sure what you're doing. Russian just doesn't operate this way. It could be trying to have some sort of ramped up offense where they probe the entirety of the front lines, look for weakness or soft areas, and then concentrate their forces uh, in those softened areas. I don't know. Like I said, I, I wouldn't write off a, a Russia's ability to marshal men and material for an offensive. But let's talk about what Putin's doing. Uh, if he can't win on the battlefield, he can always try to win the information war at home. And we, so one, our old friend, the Wagner Group, has actually uh, disseminated another video depicting an execution or a likely execution of a deserter, right? Someone who was captured uh, by Ukrainian forces. And then, uh, you know, Ukrainian forces posted a video of him expressing pro-Ukrainian sentiments while in captivity. Uh, so, you know, Russian mill bloggers, of course, being the uh, he-man tough guys that they are, uh, say this is this br- this brutality is is appropriate for a military unit. Um, this is this is preposterous, uh, as. Institute for the Study of War points out many military justice systems, including the United States, do include death penalties for uh, crimes, particularly in combat. Um, oftentimes, these are the, these these exist as like treason uh, level uh, of behavior. Um, but militaries fighting for healthy societies that are themselves professional and well disciplined do not conduct these sort of. Uh, extrajudicial executions, um, and they definitely don't celebrate it. It's considered embarrassing when a military has to punish its own, um, and a modern professional military takes no joy in uh, seeing that happen, but it's a necessary part of maintaining discipline, even in combat. Um, and oftentimes the reason the, some of these things include the death penalty is because uh, oftentimes treason results in uh, large scale uh, uh, KIA in for, you know, your military. Right. If, if someone were to let's say let's say a Ukrainian soldier was to leak the location of uh, Ukrainian forces marshalling somewhere, they would likely be functionally committing the crime of of murder a multiple murder by disclosing that information to the enemy deliberately and so it's not it's not totally at odds with our notion of justice to to make that a capital crime um but again we don't treat this as a propaganda coup we it's a, it's considered embarrassing in most civilized society uh, but here's what's also interesting. Uh, Russia's main radio frequency center, Gurchitz, uh, a subsidiary of the Russian state media sensor, uh, Roscoman, oh God. Anyway, they are coming up with something called the Oculus, not affiliated with, uh, the Meta Company, uh, an automatic system that automatically scans text, images, and video to detect 
state-censored content, extremist themes, uh, calls for mass illegal activity, uh, self-harm, other types of content which Moscow deems to be a national security threat. That's at least the public face of it. Almost certainly, uh, Belarusian hackers uh, claim that the system actually is programmed to find personal insults insults directed at Putin uh, and other sorts of other sorts of activity that is uh, denigrating to the Russian state. Now, again, this is uh, honestly part of a sad trend uh, in all Western societies, right? The desire to control uh, misinformation, and that means different things in different to different uh, political political entities. Uh, you know, in China, misinformation means one thing. In the United States, it means another. Um, but using these powerful automated tools can make misinform- stopping misinformation uh, much more effective for state actors. Now, I want to point something out that this is not necessarily any different than what YouTube does. You may notice, for example, that yesterday's daily update is not online anymore, and that's because YouTube uh, took it down. Uh, they they uh, age restricted it, and in order to not like have it become more of a liability for my channel, I had to remove it. I don't fully understand why, um, but it's again, it's why I have the Patreon right. The Patreon videos, that's where I do all the viral combat videos, the kind YouTube won't let me show you. And really, it it means a lot to me because the patrons, you know, you guys are ensuring that I can do this regardless of whether YouTube decides my content um, uh, should be on their platform, right? To at least have a separate space where I can say with confidence that I'll be able to put out uh, my own content without having to worry about complying with what YouTube does or doesn't want on its platform. Um, so these sort of tools, right? These automated ability to uh, remove uh, politically uncomfortable information, sometimes under the guise of disinformation or misinformation. Um, this is common to all, uh, not all countries, but many, many large countries. And it's uh, Russia is finally getting with the program uh, somewhat late, somewhat late. Uh, but what's also interesting is to my Russian viewers, I might be banned soon. I might be banned on YouTube soon. Sorry. Sorry, lads. Um, VK is, of course, trying to uh, pull a YouTube and recruit uh, famous Russian language content creators from YouTube over to VK. Uh, and expand its music streaming service in order to eliminate Russians' interaction with unwanted content for all those pro-Ukrainian songs on Spotify. The point is, there's no such thing as a small dose of information control in some of these. Uh, to, to definitely autocratic societies like Russia um, and many of the other uh, political leadership at various levels who uh, are certain that they know what information is best for the public to consume and which information is dangerous for them to view. Anyway, guys, that's all I had. Thanks, as always, to our Colonel Tier patron, Thomas McLeod, and our Lieutenant Tier patrons. You guys are the ones who really make this whole thing possible. I really appreciate it. Link to all of it's in the description if you want it, and I'll see you guys in the next one.